0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I suspect that some of you may be getting a little sick and tired of the Gospel of Luke. That's the Gospel we've been dealing with this year. And Luke is the Gospel to the poor. And he just keeps hammering away, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, about what we do with those who are less fortunate than we are. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, Pastor Cal, it might just be because you're pounding away on it. You're kind of a minimalist. Uh, You know, maybe this is your favorite stuff. Deborah's nodding her head over there. But I assure you, I don't talk about these things, money, wealth, possession, stuff. I don't talk about them anywhere near as often as Jesus did. A full one-third of his parables are about money, wealth, and possessions. Many of his stories are about this. And if you, if you doubt me, just start thinking back to some of the parables that we've heard over this past year and some of the um, stories also that Jesus told. There's the uh, widow's mites, the ten talents of silver, the wicked servants who wanted to take over the farm, the uh, good Samaritan who paid his own money to, in order to help somebody else, the uh, Uh, Rich fool, all the, you know, oh yes, all these things I have done for my youth. Well, then you just have one more thing to do. Take all that you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he walked away very sadly because he had many possessions. Or the rich fool, I will tear down my barns and build greater, and then I will take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Yes, hooray for me, and the heck with the rest. Or Jesus talking about uh, in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor, and in Luke, Luke adds, and woe to the rich. Blessed are those who are hungry, and woe to those who are full now. Or the uh, uh, observation Jesus made about, don't worry about clothing and money and stuff. He said, look at the birds of the air, look at the the flowers of the field. They don't toil or spin, and, 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 and look at them. Even Solomon wasn't arrayed as beautifully as they are. So we have all of those. Then last Sunday we had, again, the parable of the dishonest manager, siphoning money off and so forth. And now today we've got the clincher, the rich man, and Lazarus. You remember the story. Andrea just went over it with the kids. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Purple was the color of royalty or wealth or possibly Roman colonizers. Those were people that took over the farms when Rome conquered Israel and made the farmers who used to own it their servants. Probably when they got done with this story, the people said, hey, good enough for him. (laughs) Uh, Royalty, wealth, or a colonizer. And he dined sumptuously every day. So no day off for the servants. He had to dine sumptuously every day. And then there was Lazarus, whose name translates from Hebrew, God is our help and it's a good thing because it didn't look like the rich man was going to be much help the only help he had was from the dogs that came to lick his sores maybe the rich man was dyslexic and they thought if he believed in dog you know but uh, he didn't give him any, any help at all and so there's Lazarus they both die Lazarus goes to heaven he's reclining next to father Abraham having the time not of his life, but of his afterlife. And he dies most likely because of what he didn't have to eat. The rich man dies and goes to hell. And he dies probably because of what he did have to eat, which was too much and too rich. Anyway, he dies. He's in Hades in torment. He looks up and he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus down to dip his finger. Just put a drop of water in my tongue. I'm dying here. No, you're already dead. And he's burning up. Just send Lazarus. You notice this? Now all of a sudden he knows who Lazarus is. Before he didn't know him. Now all of a sudden, oh yeah, yeah, send Lazarus. And, and the other weird thing, he's still trying to give people orders. Yeah, yeah, send Lazarus down. to di- well, Wait a minute, you're not in charge anymore. In terms of hierarchy, guess what? He's up and you're down. Send Lazarus to... And uh, Father Abraham says, no, no, we can't do that. Because, um, you know, in your lifetime, you had your good stuff. And Lazarus had evil stuff. But now, it's a different story. It's kind of turned around. And besides that, there's a great chasm fixed in between us. And, you know, we can't go to you and you can't come to us. So, no, that's it. Well, well then, Father Abraham, send him, to, I got five brothers, send, send him, send Lazarus back. He's still ordering Lazarus around. Send Lazarus back and, and he can warn them so that they don't wind up in this place of torment. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. No, 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 but if somebody came back from the dead, he, they'd really, really believe it then. And they, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced of somebody who comes back from the dead and then the curtain falls, that's the end of the story. Now, when we listen to parables, generally we identify with either one person or one group in the parables. If we identify with poor Lazarus, it's a wonderful story of reversal of fortune. The problem is that it'd be pretty difficult for most of us sitting in this room to identify with poor Lazarus starving and dogs licking his sores. I think, you know, folks in middle America would have a hard time stretching that to say, oh yeah, that's me, I'm poor Lazarus. I don't think so. And so, who else can we identify? Well, if we identify with the other character, the rich man, it's a horrible story. It's a horrible story of condemnation and anguish. (sighs) About, I don't know, I think maybe six years or so ago, um, Deborah and I went to Indianapolis and we were visiting somebody in the, I think it was Esther Thrasher maybe, and she was down there in a hospital in Indianapolis. And so we decided to kind of make a day of it and go have lunch somewhere and, you know, go to the hospital and all this. Well, the kids had given us a, a $100 gift card for Christmas to a restaurant. And because they, because they said, you know, that's that's something Dad would never do for himself, so let's, let's do this. They were right. Uh, so the gift card was to a restaurant in Indy, and I thought to myself, how many times are we going to have to go to Indy to burn up this gift card, a $100 gift card? The restaurant was Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And I found out how many times you have to go to the Ruth Chris Steakhouse to burn up a $100 gift card for two of you once! (laughs) And that didn't even cover it with the tip. So we ate. It was a nice meal. I mean, there's no question about that. And we waddled out of there. and was feeling a little uncomfortable. I wish I had my stretchy pants. And uh, we went out and uh, I thought, holy cow, that's really something. Felt a little uncomfortable being full. Felt even more uncomfortable because I just spent a hundred bucks on lunch. And then we walked along, and there was a panhandler there with his cup out. And I walked by him, and there was a second panhandler, and I walked by him with alacrity. And then there was a third panhandler, and by this time I couldn't take it anymore. And I dropped a quarter in his cup. (laughs) And then I thought to myself, Oh, Cal, you high roller, you just spent over a hundred bucks on lunch, and you dropped a quarter to one of the three Lazaruses. I just didn't, I didn't feel very good about it, i got to tell you. Now, the, there's a, the, the addiction counselor part of me uh, began to rationalize this a little bit to make me feel better and said, well, you know, a lot of panhandlers are just getting that to buy drugs and alcohol and I don't want to be one of the biggest drug buyers in, in Indianapolis, so uh, I just I'll let it go at that. And that's probably true, and by the way, that's one of the reasons I love that we've got Pete's Pantry and the clothing warehouse, Heaven's Warehouse here, because then I don't have to make those kind of decisions about giving people cash, because that's not a good idea. <laughs> giving food, giving gas cards, giving clothing, that's a better idea, because then you don't, you don't have to wonder if you're being scammed for drugs. So, uh, yeah, let's do more of that. But anyway, I was still, f- even at that, I was still feeling pretty guilty about it. And when all is said and done, I don't believe that what Jesus is saying is that if you have wealth or possessions, that that in and of itself is bad, is evil. I think he's saying two things. One is how do you use the wealth and the stuff that you have? How do you use it? And secondly, does that wealth and stuff become your God? I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't really care what you say you believe. Practically speaking, whatever you put your trust in, that's your God. Whatever gets you by, that's your God. And if it's your stuff and your money and your security, that's your God. So I think he's saying those, those things. How do you utilize this? People uh, in the Old Testament and, and so forth were not looked on as being you know, bad if they had wealth. King David, enormously wealthy. King Solomon was considered the wealthiest man of his era. Father Abraham, herds and flocks for days, really wealthy. And then Lazarus, and we know he was in heaven, Lazarus was reclining next to him. Abraham was said in Hebrew to be barach Barakah, blessed, to be a blessing to the peoples. Not blessed just for the heck of it, or because he was such a wonderful fellow, but blessed so that he could be a blessing to the peoples. And he was. And he did did stuff for other people. He used his wealth wisely. So Jesus is not saying, if if you happen to be wealthy, that's bad. He's saying, how do you utilize it? And make sure that doesn't become what you put your trust in, because then that's your God. (sighs) These are difficult lessons for us to hear. In in America, middle America, this is tough stuff. That's why we get tired of the Gospel of Luke, because he just keeps pounding away on this. Americans, for example, make up 6%, 6% of the world's population but we use 50% of the world's goods. Does that seem about right to you? It doesn't to me. So what Jesus is saying is, you're blessed, like Abraham, to be a blessing to the peoples. It's the distribution that is the interesting thing here. We in America, our farmers, can grow more food than we eat and even waste and export. And if we wanted to, we could grow a lot more. Hydroponics, irrigation, uh, you know no government programs of holding acreage back. And here's the thing. I go by and I, I see all of these houses, and, and mine's one of them, that has a lot of lawn. And I fenced part of my lawn off for pasture because that's crazy to have that much lawn. But what, what would happen if all these two- and three-acre front lawns were plowed up and put into vegetables? You know how many people you could feed on two or three acres of vegetables? So we have the potential to, to feed even more. But then, of course, the issue is, but how do we get to the people? get it to the people who need it? Well, here's the other thing. We have the ability to transport people and things to the moon. What, we can't transport across town? We can't transport to an an inner city? Come on, we've got the technology to do that. Jesus is saying, take a look at at what you've got and what others don't have. God is our help. That's Lazarus' name. But God helps through us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.